Uh, I love I love Christmas time. I love pretty much everything about it. The the music. The I especially love Christmas carols. Uh, I love food. Uh, I, we've got traditional meals at the Hine household. Something called ham rolls. Something I look forward to. We have Christmas and Easter. Um, they're little like kind of football shaped balls of ham. Um, it sounds weird, but they're really good. I promise. Uh, and just the, just the getting together with family, the presents and the kids and, and everything about it. There's so many, so many wonderful things about Christmas time and you've got uh, memories. Uh, it seems like every, every year when you get together with family, you start telling stories, right? And there's these stories of, oh, remember five years ago when we were together and this and that and, and we're all laughing and having a good time. And uh, Christmas is great. It's a time of being together. It's a time of of peace and joy, of generosity. Uh, but I've I found as I've grown older that Christmas can also be a time of, uh, I mean, we have the good memories, but you also have you, you, the bad memories can sneak in. Christmas can be a time of, of painful memories. And uh, with uh, Shannon's grandparents, they passed away a couple years ago. And, you know, we, we always remember them. But in particular, you remember them over Christmas time because they were always there on Christmas time. You always had uh, granddad with the twinkle in his eye and the, uh, the gummy bears that he would give to the kids. And uh, you always had grandma with her quick wit and a little bit of sarcasm thrown in there. And, um, and you know, we, we miss that. We don't have that anymore. And it feels like, oh, something's, something's not quite right. We, we're, we're missing out on, on the way it was meant to be. Or, uh, you know, Shannon had a, an uncle just a couple months ago who passed away suddenly um, from a heart attack. And, and now this Christmas, he, his family's going to be alone. They're not going to have a husband, a dad, a grandpa. And you think, oh, it, wasn't, it shouldn't have been like this. You know, he, wa- he wasn't that old. He seemed healthy. Why, why, why the loss? Why, why does it have to be like this? It doesn't seem just. It doesn't seem fair. And, uh, and during Christmas time, too, I, I know, I mean, just skimming through the news headlines, I like to read the news, but there, there's always just, you know, bad news is, is, is not new. We get that all year round. But just reading the other day about a couple police officers that were shot in New York City and killed, and then the man shot himself, and they found him in the subway. And, and you just think, you know, it's never good news, but especially during Christmas time, I find myself asking, what, why is it like this? It, sh- it shouldn't be like this. It wasn't meant to be like this. These things weren't supposed to happen. It, it's not, you know, it's not fair for those poli- police officers. It wasn't fair for their families, for their kids, for their relatives, that now they have to, they have to do without. We, these questions come up, especially during Christmas time. And so Christmas time can be a really joyful time, but it can also be a, a really difficult time, a time where we find ourselves with these hard questions. And I know for me, I mean, I'm a pastor, maybe I'm not allowed to ask these questions, but I think, God, why didn't you, like, why didn't you come and deal with this injustice? I mean, if you're, if you're so powerful, God, why, why did you just come as a baby? Why didn't you come down with your angel armies and, and fix things, right? I mean, if you're, if you're the Prince of Peace, why, why, is there not, why does it feel like there's not a lot of peace at this time of year, and, and just in general? And um, we, we, you know, the thing, the thing we celebrate over Christmas time, God 
becoming a baby. That's kind of a crazy thing when you think about it. The God of the universe becoming this, this weak child. I've got, uh, I've got three kids and, and one more on the way. And one of the, one of the things I've learned about kids is they're, they're pretty much one of the most helpless creatures uh, that's ever existed, right? So we had, a, we had our first baby, Adara, and um, Shannon was recovering from kind of the, the really long labor and then the C-section, and so I was, I was on kid duty for the first time uh, ever and just really scared and not sure what to do, and so every time she'd like make a peep, and I'd be like, oh, is she all right? Do you need something? You all right? But, uh, I mean, she, Adara, she couldn't, she couldn't do anything when she was a baby, right? Babies can't, they can't feed themselves. They can't wrap themselves up in a blanket when they're cold. They can't, they can't even move. They can just lay there and cry and eat and, and poop. But you, you have to help them with the eating and pooping, right? They have to be fed. They have to be cleaned up. There's nothing more helpless than a, than a human baby. I mean, without, without Shannon and I, Adara would have not lasted, you know, more than a day or two. It's just babies, babies are completely helpless. And uh, you think, man, God, the God of the universe, the God who put the stars in space, who created the mountains and the oceans, became a baby, became helpless. And um, one, of, one of my favorite uh, theological books that I've read, it's uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. I read it to my kids. It's a great book. If you've never heard about it, uh, get a copy. Even if you don't have kids, seriously. I like wept my way through it. It just has such a way of uh, telling the stories about Jesus. But it says, uh, says this about Jesus. It says, The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. What a, what a crazy thing. What a crazy thing for God to do. And uh, I, I think about that at Christmas time, and I think, okay, God, why, why did you do that? Why did you become a baby? Why did you become weak instead of coming down with your armies and just making things right? What, what were you doing? Kind of sneaking around, like coming in the, in the dark of the night. What, what's this all about? Why didn't you just come with the lightning bolt in hand and the angels, and, and come to make things right. But one thing, I, one thing I've learned uh, about justice and about injustice is that uh, when, when someone is wronged, when there's injustice done, there's a price that needs to be paid. So, for instance, if I were to, um, you know, go across the street to the gas station and, and swipe something, if I took it and just walked out, uh, if I stole something from them, they would have to pay a price for what I stole, right? So if I stole a candy bar, they would be out that dollar. They would have to pay it, okay? And I could, I could go back the next day and I could say, look, guys, I, I stole this candy bar. I'm really sorry. And, uh, you know, they could I, could, I could be remorseful. I could be sorry, but there's still a price. They still are out that dollar, right? doesn't matter how sorry I am. doesn't matter how bad I feel. There's a price that has to be paid. And it's it's that way with other, other things. When we wrong people in different ways, there's, there's still a price. And so if uh, with my family, if I'm home with my family and I fly off the handle and, and start yelling at my wife, uh, there's a price that has to be paid. So it's not, there's not money involved, but there is, there's an emotional price 
that my wife would have to pay for uh, enduring that, for experiencing uh, my anger, my lost temper. Uh, there would be a price that maybe the kids have to pay if they're around, if they experience that as well. And so I could, later on, I could say, look, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have flown off the handle. But that doesn't pay the price. There's still a price. Uh, and it, it's emotional, it's intangible, but it's still real. And uh, the same thing with, with, in other ways that we wrong people. If, they're, you know, if you gossip about someone, if you say something bad about them behind their back, they pay a price. Their reputation pays a price. So they may lose friends over the deal. They may be thought less of. It has, it has repercussions. And this is, this is the, at the heart of what, this is what injustice is, essentially. It's someone having to pay a price that they shouldn't have had to pay. That's, we say, oh, that's unjust. Like the, the police officers that were shot and killed, they paid a price with their life because of, because of someone else. And we say, oh, that's unjust, that's wrong. They shouldn't have had to pay the price of their lives. But, but someone else, their, their, their wrong caused them to pay an unjust price. And, and I mean, we have, to, we have to be honest with ourselves. We, we do that to each other all the, all the time. We, we cause each other to have to pay prices. Now, a lot of times it's, you know, it seems trivial. Oh, I just, you know, I was just mad. It's okay. It's not that big deal. But there's, there's a price that someone has to pay. There's a cost for it. And, and, and all of us have dealt with that. The Bible says in Romans that all have sinned. So it's not just, you know, one or two of us. This is like a widespread epidemic, okay? <clears throat> now, the, the bigger problem with this is that we're not just unjust to each other. Uh, in, in doing this, we're actually unjust towards God. It says... In Genesis, that when God created us, He created us in His image. Male and female in God's image. So we're not just people, we're not just some random uh, poof of science that appeared on the you know, biological shores of primeval earth millions of years ago. God created us on purpose. We have a purpose that we are to display something of God's glory, something of His wisdom and majesty that nothing else in creation can display. And that's, that's a huge value. That's, that's why humans are uh, so valuable. No matter what we can, no matter our skills or what we can produce or what we can do, uh, God gives us value because he created us in his image. But the, the flip side of that is when we, un, when we treat each other unjustly, we're not just treating another human being unjustly, we're treating the, image, the very image of God unjustly. And so if I, if I were to fly off the handle at my wife and, and, you know, lose my temper, it's not just me losing my temper at Shannon, it's me in my heart communicating with my actions, hey, right now, in this moment, I am more important than you. My, what I care about, my comforts, my values, the things that I want and need right now are more important than you, and that's why I'm angry with you. That's, that's what's going on deep down inside when we treat each other unjustly, when we wrong each other. We, we believe deep down, I'm more important than you. And, and the problem with that is, God's, God's made her in his image. And so I'm essentially with my actions saying to God, God, the image that you created is, is not valuable. I'm dishonoring God's image. 
is, is interesting. We have in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, there was a king named David. And he was, he was a great king in the nation of Israel. But at one point in his life, he, uh, he was hanging out on his palace. He saw this lady and, and thought, man, she's really beautiful. And uh, I'd, I sure would like to be married to her. So he, he sleeps with this lady. She has a husband. Uh, David finds out her husband is in the army. So David uh, kind of works things behind the scenes, makes sure her husband is put in a really dangerous part of the fighting. Uh, so he's killed. And so then, then he dies. So David's like, all right, she doesn't have a husband. Now I can marry her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. And, uh, and God comes to one of the prophets, Nathan, and tells Nathan, hey, here's what David did. You need to talk to him about this because this is a problem. And Nathan confronts David. And here's, David's response is really interesting. Uh, we see it in the book of Psalms in chapter 51. And we'll have this up on the screen for you. Um, David doesn't say, oh man, I, I, sinned. I sinned against this lady Bathsheba. I murdered her husband. I sinned against your husband Uriah. Here's what he says. He says, for I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, God... Against you only have I sinned. And you think, what, what is that all about? You sinned against, there was like lots of people you sinned against, David. You sinned against this woman by killing her husband, by sleeping with her. You sinned against her husband for killing him. You sinned against your army because you like had your commanders in on the plot to murder someone just for your own gain. There was like a wide circle of people that were in on this injustice. But David David says, no, God, you're the one who I've sinned against. I did evil in your sight. I wronged your image that you put on these people. And so this is, this is why injustice is such a big deal. Because we can, we can say, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have treated you unjustly. But that doesn't pay the price. You know, David could have, could have gone to Bathsheba and said, look, I'm really sorry for, for murdering your husband. That doesn't bring her husband back. It doesn't pay the price. There has, to be, there has to be a price that's paid. And so if we, if we jump back to our original question, God, why did you come, you come as a baby? Why didn't you come with your armies with like, you know, the big old lightning bolt in hand and just make peace? You could do it, couldn't you? Well, if, if we've all sinned, if we've all denigrated and dishonored God's image when we wrong each other, for us to have to pay that price uh, would require our very lives. And so if we ask God, why don't, you, why don't you bring justice? Why don't you fix injustice? What that would mean if God would come down and fix injustice in his power, none would be left standing. The just, the just thing for God Almighty to do would be to come down with his armies to, to cause everyone who's acted unjustly to pay the price for dishonoring him. No one would be left standing. I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. That, that would be the most just thing for God to do. But instead, instead of coming in power, God came in weakness. He became, he became a human baby. He, the God who sustains all of us by giving us breath and life and, and food and provision, became 
dependent on his parents for food and provision, for warmth. The, the God who created the mountains, who uh, dug out the seas, who in his wisdom created the animals, the plants, everything in the ecosystem that goes together, that God became a boy and had to learn, had to go to school, had to learn to read and write. That, that God set aside his power so that he could, he could be with us. And, and the, the best news of Christmas at all, the best news of Christmas is that the price for our injustice was ultimately paid by Jesus on that cross. Jesus lived perfectly, treated no one unjustly, lived rightly in, in everything he did. And then at the end of his life, was accused unjustly. And he, he could have sidestepped it. He could have changed everything. One of, my, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, just shortly before the cross. The Roman soldiers are coming to take him away. He's, uh, you know, Judas, one of his best friends, had betrayed him. And these, these battle-tested, uh, nation-conquering soldiers with swords are coming to get Jesus. And they ask him, they say, are you, are you the one? And he says, I am. And just in that moment, uh, a little bit of, of who Jesus is kind of sneaks out of his human body. And, and these soldiers can't stand. They fall to the ground. They fall to their knees. It's like, it's like Jesus is reminding them, hey, you going to take me with swords? Come on. I, I choose this. You're not forcing this on me. I get to decide. And Jesus, Jesus in that moment said, I will take the punishment for all your injustice. You don't force this on me. I take it willingly. And on that cross, when he hung there on the cross, it wasn't, it wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross. It was love. He could have come down. He didn't have to be there. But he was, he was paying the price that we deserve to pay for the dishonor that we've shown God. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that, that Jesus has done for us. And uh, one, of, one of the other things that Jesus' birth speaks to us so instead of coming in power, he came in weakness. And that, that shows us, that gives us a little peek of God's heart about what God really wants. So God, God could have very well come in power, come with armies, impressed us with his might, with his show of force, commanded us to be his servants. I mean, he could have done it. He's strong enough. But instead, he came in weakness. He came to be with the, the lowest of the low. And, and I think what that says about God's heart is that predominantly he doesn't just want to rule as king. Predominantly he wants to be with us as family. I know um, my wife Shannon, we first started dating, we dated for about six weeks, and then she moved off to Mexico. Uh, unfortunately, the country of Mexico, not the city in Missouri. And so we had to, uh, we wrote letters to stay in touch. We emailed a lot. We, uh, Skype was just coming out around then, and so we, uh, once internet got up, we, we got to do video chat a couple times, and I, I loved just getting, getting the letters from Shannon. Checking the mail was like this whole new 
adventure, right? It wasn't just the, the bills or the, the school stuff. Now it was, oh, there may be a letter in there from Shannon. I may get to learn a little bit more about her, hear from her, and just read. Kept, I still have all those letters. I just read them over and over again. And the emails, we'd send emails. And, and all of that, I, I treasured that. I cherished that. Helped me get to know her. But it, none of it was, was as valuable as being with her to me. I'd have, I'd have traded it all if I could have just been with her. I got, I got to go visit her, and the time she come back, those were, those were the best times. Far better than, than the letters and the emails. And even the, even the video chatting is as wonderful as that is. And I know, um, I know Chris can testify to this. Her, one of her sons was married uh, just recently, and, and she wasn't able to be there because she was in rehab. And they, you know, thanks to the, the wonders of technology, they had, you know, they had an iPad walking down the aisle, and so she was able to see and to, to be a part of the ceremony. And uh, she was able to be there in a way, but it wasn't, it's not the same as, as actually being there. And, and I think one of the, the most valuable thing, when you love someone, the most valuable thing isn't, isn't gifts, it's not letters, it's not their words, it's their presence. It's being with them. That's the most special thing, when you really love someone. And, and God, when he became a baby, he was telling us something. He, w- he was saying, look, you are, I love you. I don't want to just write you letters, but he did. He did write us letters. We have letters from God in the scripture. We can know about God. We can know what he's like, just like I can read letters from Shannon. I could learn what she's like and, and get to know her. But, but God said, no, I don't, want to just, I don't want you to just know about me. I don't want you to just serve me from far off. I want to be with you. I want you to be not slaves, not servants, family. I want to, I want to link myself eternally to humankind and to be with you. And, and God gave us the most precious gift of all, himself, being with us his presence. And that's, that's why the church is such a valuable thing. We're not just, this isn't just some Sunday meeting where we high-five each other and celebrate, you know, being Christians and then, hey, see you next Sunday and that's it. No, this is, God is here with us. He says in his scripture, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in a real way. And so we get to see, we get to experience God's love when we interact with each other, when we sing together. We get to experience God's love when we hear Chris talking about how great God is and how he's encouraged her and how we've been praying with her. We're like, yeah, God. We get to experience something of God's love and his grace for us. And that, that is the best gift of all. Better than, better than any other gift God could have given us. Better than letters better than words, better than money or provision. God gave himself without measure to us. He continues to give himself to us. And so maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced that, being with God. Maybe to you, maybe, maybe church is new for you or maybe, uh, you know, maybe church for you has always just been Oh, it's just something we have to do. It's just the rules. You know, it's just going every Sunday. It's doing this. It's doing that. Now, church is, Christianity is being with God. 
It's God wanting to be with us. And, and if, you're, if you're at this place this morning where this is brand new, you can experience that. You can be with God this morning. And, and maybe you're here, maybe you're like me, that you've, you've known God, you've been with God, but it's just so easy to forget. There's, there's so many things that happen around the holiday season. There's travels and plans that need to be made. There's going and coming and there's gifts and it's, it's all great stuff. It's all fun and it's all helpful. But, but the gift, the most important thing is being with God. Let's, let's not let that get crowded out of our schedule with all the other good things. Let's not let the best thing fall by the wayside. Being with God.